Welcome to the February 2021 edition of Transcript Radio. I'm Mike Lovins from ODOT's Central Office Communications team, and I'm happy to be your host. This month, I'm talking to ODOT Director Dr. Jack Marchbanks about the importance of diversity and inclusion, followed by Highway Safety Program Manager Michelle May, who discusses the alarming crash trends we're seeing here in Ohio. So let's get this show on the road. Well, I am honored to be sitting down here with Dr. Jack Marksbanks, Director of the Ohio Department of Transportation. Director, how are you today? I am well, Michael. Thanks for allowing me to sit down with you to really talk about some things that I'm keen to share. Well, I'm very excited. I was glad that I know you've been really busy, so I'm I'm glad you were able to take a few minutes here with me. Um, but so, Dr. Jack Marksbanks, can you Tell me a little bit about uh, what your PhD is in and what maybe drove you to pursue it. Well, Michael, what some people may not know is that I actually started a PhD, PhD program when I was 21 years old. I went to Clark Atlanta University back in, I won't say when, several decades ago. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, but um, I had to break off the um, doctoral program because of illness in my family. I had I came back to... Ohio after attaining my master's uh, in state and local government planning, but I always wanted to go back. So um, in 2013, I won a fellowship to the Ohio University Contemporary History Institute that allowed me to attain my doctorate uh, without tuition costs, just for my expenses and books. If I taught because they liked my life body of work and thought I would be a good teaching assistant. So that's how I accomplished my uh, dissertation and attaining my doctorate uh, much later in life. And I point to it not just because I'm an elder, as they say in African-American lore, but everyone should believe in lifelong learning. When you stop learning, you really stop living. And it's, it's just that simple. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful way to look at it too I mean there's just it doesn't matter what it is I, I, mm-hmm. I think that you're you're learning just keep learning yes indeed grow grow until it's your time to leave now you and I are both music lovers and, <laughs> and am I correct in that your dissertation was uh, somehow related to jazz and the civil rights movement yes yes I I chose to delve into how many of the legendary jazz artists were also activists especially the women. The women were especially powerful. Uh, You're talking about people like Maya Angelou, who actually uh, was a dancer before she became well-known as a poet. And people like Nina Simone, Lorraine Hansberry. They all knew each other. They were this elite group uh, out of the New York area. And one of the things they did is that they raised money. They raised tens of thousands of dollars, which may not sound like a lot now, but it's like hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars in 2021 dollars. They raised money for the NAACP, for the, uh, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, for the Congress of Racial Equality, for SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, of course, which was led at a key moment by the late John Lewis. So these people, these artists, helped make the civil rights movement the success that it became and they never got credit for it. So 
I wanted to make sure that people knew through the scholarship I was able to pursue. Wonderful. Um, so with all that, you know, were there any instances in your in your youth mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, that made you really want to follow this path? Well, I always have been interested in history. I've always been interested, actually, in transportation. So it's kind of uh, ironic that they all come together. But from a child, I was always fascinated by highways, fascinated by long trips, loved road trips. I was one of the few kids in my family that really liked getting in the back of the car and going someplace. And I would never say, are we there yet? Because I enjoyed the trip. I enjoyed the journey before that was even a term. Uh, And in regards to music, my father was uh, a track man, as they used to say, for Frisco Rail Lines, which basically ran through the Mid-South. And he would bring home all these fabulous records from New Orleans or from Memphis. So I became a music lover, you know, when I was still in grade school. And uh, those two interests kind of have fueled and directed my life. That's wonderful. Um, so now, I, I, I'd say though too, your passion goes beyond that of just African-American history. Can you tell me a little bit about your involvement in the Native American movement? <laughs> well, my mother, uh, you can't tell it by looking at me because I look like my dad and I have his voice and, you know, I have most of his Jamaican looks. But my mother is Choctaw and Cherokee. Okay. And she was. And she passed away. She just had a birthday of February 12th. She would turn 87 this year. She passed away a few years ago. But I've always been interested in the nexus between African Americans and Native Americans, particularly post-Civil War, where there was a lot of intermarriage which is how my mom came to be my mom. She uh, was a child of Native Americans and African Americans, free, you know, freed slaves, uh, freedmen, as they used to call them. So it turns out that once I arrived at ODOT in the mid-90s, one of the things I was charged to do as a Business and Human Resources Administrator for Michael Flynn at the time was to develop an EEO training video. So. By that time, I had made contact with people in the music industry, uh, Jim and Ruth Yellowhawk at WYSO down in uh, Yellow Springs. And I told them what I was doing, and they said, oh, well, we know Dennis Banks. I said, you know Dennis Banks? <laughs> you know, the famous American Indian Movement AIM leader. So uh, I approached Mr. Banks and asked him would he be a part of our training video, and he graciously said yes. He said, I want you to support some of the things I'm doing, too, if I'm going to do this. So I said, I'll be happy to do it, Mr. Banks. So I'm happy to say, and I'm holding this up for the camera here in case this ever goes on, on screen. <laughs> Dennis Banks gave me this shirt, T-shirt. It says, Sacred Run. All life is sacred. So I reacquainted myself with not just Choctaw and Cherokee, but many of the tribes, and in fact, uh, while I was at District 6, we hired a Lakota Sioux by the name of uh, Duke Cordier, David Cordier. And I visited out west many times with Robbie Romero, who's a Native American musician out of New Mexico. Of course, uh, the Comanche, Apache tribes of Arizona, Utah, and New Mexico. So. That's my tie-in to um, uh, indigenous peoples. Uh, One of the things that Dennis Banks (laughs) often said, and this is going to make all the Cleveland Indian people angry, he said he hated Chief Wahoo. He said, Jack, 
how would you like it if they created a team called the Columbus Sambos? And I said, well, you know, Dennis, I wouldn't like it at all. He said, that's why I feel the way I feel about Wahoo. So that's the end of that anecdote. Uh, it, it's interesting, though, because I'm, I'm hearing that there is talks to change the name of the team. They're catching up. And maybe when they get rid of that, what I believe is an ugly symbol, that ugly caricature, uh, they'll win another World Series. There you go. <laughs> get rid of that bad omen. A, a bad vibe, bad yeah. karma. Yeah. Um, so diversity and inclusion has been a priority for Governor DeWine. Yes. And so... I believe that we can all say that you've taken that initiative and really ran with it, um, not just because it's the governor's passion, because it's yours too. Uh, with that said, what would you like your legacy here at ODOT to be? I, I'd like my legacy here at ODOT to be is that Jack Marchbanks made diversity and inclusion a priority, not just for the opportunity, diversity and inclusion uh, division, but for every leader at ODOT who had the authority and power to affect diversity and inclusion in a positive way. That's what I'd like. And for that, uh, I should say to that end, every district deputy director and central office division deputy knows that I am expecting them to do better, to grow. Now, we can't all have those notches of wins, but you need to try every day right. to do something to be more inclusive, to examine your own unconscious biases and how you do business every day to show up, uh, as Carlos Harris says, as a present, influential, and impactful leader who people know as soon as you step in the room that you're about fairness, you're about uh, equity, you're about treating everyone as a dignified human being because everyone is. That's that's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, diversity and inclusion is something that's very near and dear to, to my heart as well. And so I am honored to be working for you, with you, and all that. Um, so that's 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 just all wonderful. And we're, we're all one team, you know, at ODOT. And every individual is precious, regardless of sexual orientation, height, weight, color, <laughs> any of that stuff. We're all human beings. One ODOT. One ODOT, one Ohio, one world, one human race. Beautiful. So I mentioned earlier that we're both music lovers. So <laughs> I, I kind of want to go out here on a fun little note because okay. um, so I had heard that you met Sting on the streets of New York. <laughs> and as a bass player, who, oh Sting is a huge influence of mine. Oh, yeah. I got to hear about this story. Okay. All right. 2010, I luck out and get, and I'm already excited because I'm in New York City and I'm there to uh, cover the NEA, National Endowment for the Arts Jazz Masters Ceremony in 2010. So it's January 2010, cold and wet New York. Uh, my wife and I had found a relatively inexpensive uh, comfort suites in Upper West Manhattan just across from Central Park. So she couldn't travel with me, so I'm traveling by myself and I'm, uh, I had gone to do some interviews with Annie Ross, the late great Annie Ross, uh, Lambert Hendrickson Ross, and I'm feeling really good about myself. And I was like, oh man, I got a great interview from Annie Ross and Kenny Barron. I got to meet Youssef Latif. Wow, all these great artists. And I'm walking up the street and all these young people are walking by, you know, Gordon Sumner. They don't know who he is. <laughs> and I'm walking north and uh, Sting is walking south. And I looked at him and I said, 
Steve, I admire your work. He winked at me. He said, you know who I am. I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and we just continued to walk. He, he was with his wife, truly, Trudy. Uh, but he was, you know, you know, in New York, you know, there's so many people. And, you know, people are, you know, sort of oblivious to those around them. But I said, all these, you know, like teenagers and younger people didn't know who he was. He's just walking down the street with a gray top coat on, you know, with a collar up. And I said, that's Gordon Sumner. <laughs> so he was really uh, kind of, I think, bemused that I knew who he was. Because I think me being an African-American guy coming out of a, a, a jazz club, you, I, I think he thought I'd be the last person who would know who he was. But I, I knew who he was because... I'm a huge Sting fan. I was into the police way, way early. Uh, he is a, a, a brilliant lyricist as well as a great songwriter and a, and a great bass player who, like Miles Davis, only uses as many notes as he needs. That's actually been one of the things that I love about him. His, mm. his stuff is, is good, but it's not... He doesn't uh, overplay. He's, he doesn't overplay. He's economical, yeah. you know. I, I, I love that. Yeah, and of course, you know, Englishman in New York is oh, yeah, constantly going through my head here oh, yeah. during this whole story. So, oh, yeah, that's a great I, tune. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm an alien. I'm an illegal alien. I'm an Englishman in New York. <laughs> Did he have a walking stick at his side? No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't All have right. a walking stick. He, he had his wife at his side, so that's good. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, Director, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I've, this has been a fascinating conversation. I love hearing you speak. You, 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 you're, you always speak from the heart, and I, I, I really uh, appreciate what you have to say. And I'm I'm positive that the rest of ODOT is going to enjoy hearing this story too. So, um, thank you so much for uh, again for your time. Oh, you're welcome. I hope I've shared some things that people will find valuable. I'm here with Michelle May, ODOT's Highway Safety Program Manager. I asked her to join me to talk about some of the crash trends we've been seeing here in Ohio. So, Michelle, how are you today? I'm doing awesome, Mike. And you? I am great, thanks. Thanks so much for for uh, for joining me. I mean, um, you know, our, our podcast is not only internal, but, uh, you know, listeners can just be our drivers in Ohio. You know, any, sure. anybody that can access a podcast. So, I think this is information that will be good for them. I think so, too. I mean, if you think about it, uh, who doesn't travel somewhere, somehow, sometime, and we all want to get home safely. So that's really what this podcast is about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I, I, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit offline. You you gave a presentation uh, to some folks, and I really liked how that went, but kind of massaged it a little bit for audio only. But I'm going to yeah. I'm going to let you kind of take over here. Sure. So um, what I'm going to share with you uh, are a couple major uh, crash trends um, that have uh, been predominating in Ohio over the past five years. And a lot of it comes from our updated state safety plan, which uh, takes a look back at the last five years and helps us figure out uh, how to uh, make investments moving forward so that we can reduce different types of crashes. So let me share with you a couple major trends uh, that we've learned. So uh, the first major trend is that traffic deaths in Ohio have been rising and they've uh, risen six out of the past seven years. And we think that rise in traffic deaths correlate with the widespread adoption of smartphones and cell phones. So we think more people have cell phones and smartphones and they're 
they're becoming um, too comfortable using them behind the wheel. So there are other factors, too, that could be influencing uh, these trends, but uh, we think that correlates pretty closely. So uh, just to give you some idea, we've been tracking uh, traffic deaths uh, due to crashes going all the way back to 1936. And if you could see a chart, you would see that um, back in the 70s, traffic deaths in our state started to drop. That's really when people started wearing seatbelts and we we passed um, uh, stricter laws for driving drunk and our cars were getting safer over the years. And the safest year in history was actually in 2013 when we dropped below 1,000 deaths for the first time since we began uh, collecting uh, crash records. Uh, But once we hit 2013, traffic deaths started to rise. And they rose uh, every single year except for 2018. In 2018, we had a slight dip. 2019, they went up about 8, 8%. And then uh, in 2020, traffic deaths went up uh, another 7%, despite the fact that traffic, uh, overall traffic volume was down last year by almost 15%. And all of this is very remarkable because if you think about the, the technology in our vehicles, and the safety features, we really should be getting a lot better, but we're not. So uh, that brings me to the second major trend that we've been seeing over the past five years. And that is, ironically, while traffic deaths were going up, serious injuries have been going down. And they have dropped uh, four of uh, over the past four years. And this is where the the safer vehicles is really having an impact. So uh, if you're involved in a typical crash and you're driving a newer vehicle, uh, you're more likely not to sustain a serious injury. But unfortunately, there are just some uh, egregious behaviors uh, that your vehicle can't save you from. So when you're traveling at extreme speeds, when you're driving uh, distracted, when you have large amounts of uh, drug and alcohol in your system, uh, your vehicle can't compensate for that. So uh, fatalities up, serious injuries have been going down. Um, some people like to ask, you know, what's the most common crash type in Ohio? Um, and that is a roadway departure. So if you were to look at fatalities and serious injuries year in and year out for at least the 15 years I've been in this job, uh, the most common crash type is a roadway departure. And what happens is someone veers off the side of the road, uh, they hit a tree or a pole, uh, and, or they go left of center and they hit another vehicle on or another object on the opposite side of the road. And then the thing that you have to remember about all crash types is that it's often overlapping. So while roadway departure is also very common, what, what's also even more common is that a roadway departure will often involve somebody who is speeding they're driving distracted. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they hit that tree or a pole, they're ejected from the vehicle because they're not wearing a seatbelt. So if, if you remember nothing else from our discussion today, uh, I hope people remember to always wear your seatbelt uh, and to not drive distracted. That is two very simple ways to prevent a crash. Um, then if you just looked at uh, what what are the other common crash types? So in kind of a descending order, uh, roadway departure is at the top. Uh, for fatalities and serious injuries, crashes that occur at intersections, uh, young drivers between the ages of 15 and 25, they're overrepresented in our fatalities and serious injuries. Speed, speed is actually pretty interesting because um, we Ohio is actually above the national average for uh, speed-related deaths. Uh, so in Ohio, we have a need for speed, unfortunately. Hmm. Um, so uh, next is older driver, and this is really an area that will 
uh, grow over the next uh, two decades. Uh, we are aging as a society and as a state. And as we age, uh, more drivers over the age of 65 will be involved in crashes. Uh, Seatbelts also a very common uh, cause of crashes, not wearing a seatbelt, I should say. Uh, and then uh, I would also note distracted driving, although it shows up lower on the list of crash causes, that's because it's vastly underreported. Um, a lot of people won't admit to it uh, out of fear of liability or or maybe shame. Uh, and because it's difficult for an officer to prove, it doesn't always show up in the crash data. So we think distracted driving is definitely a bigger problem than what's reflected in the crash data. Um, and then I'll just share maybe uh, a couple more quick points. Um, a lot of people don't recognize that our roads are maintained by a complex network of both ODOT, ma ODOT maintained forces, but also local governments. So there right, are right. 1,300 townships, 900 cities and villages, at least 88 county engineers, and we're all responsible for maintaining our roads. And the vast majority of the crashes that occur on local roads, because they make up the bulk of our roadway network. Um, so ODOT maintains something like 16% of our entire roadway network. Uh, the rest are, are maintained by uh, cities, villages, and counties. If you were to look at the most mm, dangerous, for lack of a better term, uh, maybe a road type where you're more likely to have a fatality or serious injury crash, um, that would be an arterial road. So if you think about arterials as maybe those um, multi-lane medium speed streets that connect uh, our residential neighborhoods to town centers or to interstates and major state routes. Um, about 43% of all of our fatalities and serious injuries occur on arterials. So knowing all that information is great for us because it tells us where we should be focusing our efforts to try and prevent these types of crashes. Right. Yeah. You, you say that we've kind of, um, been going upwards with a little bit of dip. What did this year's numbers look like kind of compared to, to last year with where we're at so far? Well, not good. So uh, in 2020, uh, traffic deaths went up 7%, 7 uh, despite the fact that our overall travel because of COVID uh, was down by about 15%. Uh, so far this year, traffic deaths are up about 35% over the previous year. Now, some of that will hopefully, God willing, come down uh, over the next few months, but it's it's an extremely troubling trend because once again, overall travel in our state is down compared to what it would typically be without a pandemic underway. Um, so I, I'm very concerned about the level of um, traffic deaths, the fact that it continues to rise um, despite what should be a headwind to, to better days. I wonder if uh, people have kind of this illusion that there's less traffic, so that means they can go faster or eat that burger or, or take that call or something like that because they don't feel like there's much in the way of, of something that could be around them to to hit. Just this false sense of security. So, to yeah. Get what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that actually that's uh, – uh, very appropriate. So the hypothesis has been among traffic safety experts and advocates is that uh, perhaps that is true, that with fewer people on the road, um, the people who were on the roads, particularly during the height of stay at home orders, tended to be more risky drivers. 
And because there was less traffic on the road, they felt more comfortable uh, traveling at high speeds, driving distracted. Uh, and even though more of us are taking to the roads, so there more, there's more traffic out there. Um, it is still down compared to what it would typically be. And clearly, given the crash trends that are continuing this year, there must be something to that, um, that either, you know, people are taking greater risks with fewer people on the road or they've just become comfortable behaving in a certain way or perhaps people have fallen out of practice um, that is possible uh, with driving but it all points to the need to redouble our efforts um, to be safe because really when you're traveling on the road and you're speeding or you're driving distracted you're, you're not just you're not just endangering yourself you're endangering other people on the road and I like to think of things like um, distracted driving like buying a lottery ticket only you don't want your number to hit because if your number hits, then you've had an accident. And then that range of accident or crash, not an accident, you caused it, um, could be anywhere from uh, uh, costly and an inconvenience uh, all the way up to injuring or, hurt or injuring or killing someone else. So don't 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 buy that lottery ticket. Keep your eyes on the road. Yeah, the price is way too high. Way too high. And, and people underestimate the danger, which is why they do it. Um, but no kidding, Mike, we have more than a decade worth of research that says when you when you're using a phone while driving, when you're touching a phone, looking at a phone, um, you, you are significantly increasing your risk of, of having a crash and eventually your number could hit. I tell you, I have one teenage driver and another one getting their temps next month. So, you know, it, it scares me to, to death to think about them out there. And I know that they're both smart. I know that they, uh, you know, are going to do their best to pay attention. But you get a friend in the car. You you just other people. You know, it's just uh, it's 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 scary. Yeah, <laughs> and it it, it 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 most definitely is. And it, it's you know, it's scary. It should it should scare all of us. Um, but there's no question. Younger drivers, you know, they have less experience. Um, they also grew up with um, mobile devices and, and are, are much more acclimated to them than maybe uh, older adults like myself in their 50s or 40s or, or, or even 30s. Um, so, yeah, try, trying to it, – it's definitely worth the fight though, Mike, as a parent, uh, <laughs> to make sure that kids understand that there are rules – uh, to using uh, mom and dad's car or or anyone's car, and that um, y you can't be looking at your phone or using your phone while you're driving. It's too dangerous. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the things that ODOT's doing to try and com combat this? Uh, well, uh, certainly with uh, regard to distracted driving, uh, currently in our budget bill, in the state budget bill, there are provisions to modernize Ohio's distracted driving laws. Our original distracted driving law was passed in 2012. And think about that for a second. Your, your phone could do a fraction of what it could do 
in tw- today, <laughs> back in 2012. True. I mean, our, our phones have evolved. They, you know, people, people now can stream video, they can play apps, they can browse the internet from their vehicle. Um, so the, the budget bill would modernize Ohio's law to explicitly say those types of activities are too dangerous and you can't be engaging them while driving uh, or you will be pulled over uh, and uh, cited. Uh, for doing so. Um, The other thing we've done over the past uh, two, three years is we've been working with the Ohio State Highway Patrol on distracted driving corridors. So you'll see them at various locations around the state. And within those corridors, we have a zero tolerance. Um, The patrol has a zero tolerance to people who are driving distracted or speeding or driving aggressively. Uh, And when the the data shows that when we have those corridors, we see a reduction in those types of crashes uh, as a result. So uh, trying to be out there uh, visible with enforcement to remind drivers that you need to you need to mind your speed and you need to keep your eyes on the road. So that those are two big things. Um, But we're also trying to work a lot with Uh, employers, and uh, certainly the state of Ohio is taking a leadership role on this, passing uh, employee policies that say you can't be using a mobile device while you're driving. Once again, uh, it's dangerous. Um, You know, it takes your mind off the road, uh, your mind, your eyes uh, off driving, and and that we can't have that. It's just not worth, you know, you think you're being super productive, but you're, you're, you're not going to be productive if you have a crash and, you know, all the things that flow from right. uh, those unfortunate uh, occurrences. So those are a couple different ways that, that we're trying to convince people not to drive distracted. And just podcasts like this where we can talk about it. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's why yeah. you're here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I know, too, that there's been kind of a recent initiative, at least recent as far as I know about it, but um, regarding pedestrian safety. And, and when you mentioned that that there's a lot of, uh, you know, these these arterial roads, I, I picture those two being areas where somebody's walking down down the street or or a cyclist or or whatever. What what are we doing about, uh, regarding pedestrian safety? Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Arterials are also where we have a high number of pedestrian uh, crashes. So I'm I'm glad you brought it up. So when we look back over the past 10 years, we have seen a significant increase in the number of crashes involving pedestrians. And last year in the state of Ohio, we saw about a 35% increase in pedestrian-related deaths. Um, the three most common crash types that we see when uh, pedestrians are hit by another vehicle is it's either at an intersection where a vehicle is going through and for whatever reason hits the pedestrian. Uh, it sometimes occurs at mid-block crossings uh, where there isn't an intersection. Pedestrians trying to cross, they get hit by a vehicle. And then the third most common type is uh, a pedestrian is struck from behind. Maybe they're walking along the shoulder and there aren't sidewalks and uh, a vehicle strikes them. All of these things point to the need for uh, better pedestrian infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So we know it's much safer for pedestrians if we can separate them from the stream of traffic. So having things like high visibility uh, crosswalks, both at intersections and mid-block crossings, pedestrian activated signals, sidewalks, all of these things uh, ODOT is making significant investments in. In fact, 
uh, last year we launched a new program where we dedicated $10 million in pedestrian-related improvements, crosswalk signals, sidewalks, uh, lighting at intersections so vehicles can see pedestrians. Um, we are and those investments uh, are about to go to construction this year. So we're going to be upgrading more than 400 locations in eight different cities uh, to make the pedestrian infrastructure safer uh, for that community. And if that is successful, which I have every reason to believe it will, then we're going to go to the next eight communities and start investing there. So we're, we're hoping this is going to become a regular part of our program. Awesome. Um well, that's been a lot of information, and I, I think this is all good stuff. Um, but what I want to ask you before we go is just with the audience that you have here right now at your disposal, what's one thing that you wish that you could tell all of the motorists and, and you know, drivers that are going through Ohio? Uh, buckle up, phone down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, drill that into your head. I, th there are two things that save lives. Buckle up when you're in the car and put your phone down if you're driving. And if you are a passenger, speak up. If somebody is reaching for that phone, offer to send that text or email or make that phone call or or reset the GPS. Because for every second you take your eyes off the road and your mind off driving, you're endangering yourself and you're endangering other people. And again, good people underestimate the danger. They, they just don't realize how dangerous it is. Don't buy that lottery ticket. Just keep your eyes on the road. Buckle up. Everybody wants to get home safe. That's the one way I know. Oh, I'm sorry, the two ways I know <laughs> how to do it. So that is my advice to every single Ohioan. Awesome. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I, I hope that uh, I hope everybody listening to this truly takes heed to all of those words. Yeah, it was a pleasure today, Mike. And uh, hey, in your parlance, I know uh, uh, you're a music fan. Uh, rock on, my brother. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in. We're looking to release new episodes on a monthly basis for now, so make sure you subscribe on your chosen podcast platform and never miss where these roads take us next. If you have questions, comments, or ideas, email me at michael.lovins at dot.ohio.gov.